Welcome to the Rogue Tailboard Podcast, where firemen are fired up and minimal is unacceptable. All right, shows we are connected. Are we connected? Yep. I guess it was the Wi-Fi. Okay, makes sense. Traveling around out and about, I can understand that bouncing around. But uh, glad that we're able to commit and see this thing through. For those of y'all listening, we were having some issues trying to get this pet up for like the past half an hour. So glad we finally got to work and all that. Go ahead. Has this been live? No, just now. Just now it's recording. Yes, none of that. None of that other stuff was. No. Okay, cool. Yes, we're fine here. But guys, want to thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Rogue Tailboard. Start your New Year's off right. Your brother Eddie Steele on with me today. It's been awesome to get to know him and learn from him. It wasn't from a mutual friend and I should reach out to him and share testimonies. I don't think that my friendship with him would be where it is today. So I got to give thanks for that. And, uh, Eddie, would you mind just introducing ourselves to those that may not be knowing you or with you? Sure, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity to come on. Um, my name is Eddie, Eddie Steele. Uh, I'm just a dude. I'm not a, I'm not a chief. I'm not a lieutenant. Shoot, I'm not even a driver. I'm a fireman uh, out here in Weatherford, Texas, which is about 20 miles west of Fort Worth, here in Parker County. And uh, I'm uh, I'm 42 years old, and I'm a father, and uh, I'm a husband, and I've got a huge passion for the fire service. Um, this is my fourth department here at Weatherford. It took me 10 years to get on at Weatherford. But that means that I spent uh, 10 years every year uh, taking the test and trying to get uh, hired on to uh, to the town that I live in and to uh, serve here. And so finally, after the 10th year, I think I just felt sorry for the old guy. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave me a shot. They probably said, ah, he's old. He's got a limp, but we'll take him anyway. So uh, I've been here at Weatherford for almost four years now, and, uh, and I love it. So that's kind of the, the short story of a, of a very long journey that I had. No, that's awesome. I'm sure there's a lot you learned, especially just the uh, persistence to see it through, to keep moving forward for what you wanted. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Really, it's, uh, it's persistence. And that, that's with anything in life, for sure. But yeah. uh, definitely with the fire service. Well, brother, one thing I like to ask everyone is uh, what got you into the fire service? I love hearing the different stories, and I think everyone is near and dear and personal. So just curious, what, what made you want to be a fireman? That's a good. Uh, I love that question, too. And, and that's something that that's you need to. Why did you become this, especially when you're in your, your low times in your career? Uh, there's that saying that the the uh, the days are long, but the years fly by. And sometimes in those fl- flying by years, you get in these ruts at times of morale or suboptimal morale and so uh you need to ask yourself why you did this and so um and i always ask the new guys when they come here you know when we have a little bit of bumper time i get to know them asking what what got you into the interest of the fire service and serving so and for me what it was man i was i was a late bloomer um and i had a i came to a fork in the road and i think it really was some divine intervention uh, because I was on the, the wrong path to uh, going towards a cliff. And uh, all through my uh, my adolescence and my, 
my early adulthood, uh, I was doing everything the wrong way, no matter um, how much uh, free advice or even expensive advice I'd get, I would do the opposite. So um, I kind of had some struggles coming, raising up and trying to become an adult. Um, but what had happened was that my, my parents had retired from Arlington, Texas, and they moved out to Parker County to this little small town. Or to me, it was a small town because I lived in the big city <laughs> of Arlington. But uh, they, uh, they they moved to a small little little podunk town, in my opinion, called Weatherford, on two acres of land out there. And and I was living the bachelor life in this apartment with four other guys, and and uh, waking up on people's couches that I didn't know, and and uh, just kind of wasting and, and partying my life away. And uh, one uh, one week, I went out to. Uh, to my parents' place where I always went out there to, to mow their lawn for them. They're two and a half acres and I was uh, mowing their lawn hungover and, uh, you know, not, not really having any direction at all. Just trying to figure out how I was going to party that night. And, uh, on my break, I went up to the big pantry convenience store there on Fort Worth highway and got myself my, uh, ceremonial chimichanga and my Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and, and as I'm waiting in line, I uh, looked down to the local Weatherford Democrat uh, newspaper and it was as if God had just like tapped me on the shoulder and flicked my earlobe and forced me to look down. And I looked at this newspaper article and it said that Weatherford Fire Department hires two cadets from the Weatherford Fire Academy or Weatherford College Fire Academy. And I looked at that and I was like, like a light bulb. Like I said, that tap on the shoulder and a flick on the earlobe. I said, hey, dummy, you need to do that. So I pick it up and I go home and, and uh, I show my folks that, and, uh, you know, I come from a family that serves both of my, uh, both my uncles, my dad's brothers were firemen in Los Angeles County. Um, and they both served in the, in the military, uh, both were Marines. And then my dad, he was a fighter pilot in the air force. And that was something I always had some interest in, but I just didn't have the balls to do it. And I was too stupid. So, mm-hmm. um, Anyway, I showed it to my dad, and my dad said, so you want to do that? I said, I, said, I think I do. And he goes, well, you either do or you don't. There ain't no thinking about it. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, he said, well, if you're going to do this, he goes, you're going to have to work your ass off, and you better talk to your brothers about this, or your uncles about this, his brothers. And mm-hmm. So I called up Uncle Jim and George, and I asked them about it, and they told me that it's the ultimate mm-hmm. team sport. And they told me that um, no wonder, or no matter uh, – no matter how um, how you go about doing this, uh, going to the fire academy will not make you a worse person. Hmm. And they wish me luck. And they said, it's even harder to get a job afterwards. So uh, yeah. I said, well, hell, I got nothing else to, to lose. And I told my parents that I wanted to do that. And they said, well, I'll tell you what, if you want to do that, we'll support you. And uh, you'll probably, if you want to, you can quit your job and uh, you can come live with us for the four months of the fire academy. But I'm telling you, Eddie, if you don't do this and you don't follow through because you haven't followed through with anything else in your life, uh, then that's it. You know, that we're no more, no more handouts. So, um, all right, well, let's do it. And man, in my very first day, I arrived uh, to station three here at Weatherford Fire uh, Department. That's where they're having the in-house fire academy. And uh, man, my, uh, my first instructor, the drill instructor there, who's now my fire chief, his name was Lieutenant Peacock. And this guy, he's former 82nd Airborne, and it's written all over him. <laughs> he, would stand, 
he was standing there. We had, we rode this bus right from the mm-hmm. from the main campus to the fire um, fire department at the or the fire station, and he's standing there on this line, <laughs> and all of us were sitting in this this um, this bus. We don't know anybody from anybody, you know, and uh, we're crammed in here. We've all got our gear bag in our lap, and we're we're in our our uniform. And all of us are, all of our uniforms look different, man. You know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have our uniforms on right. You know, people had their, uh, their collar brass on wrong. And some people had, you know, the wrong color belt. Some people had no belt. Some people had cowboy boots. I mean, like, we, we look awful. <laughs> Just here for a good time. <laughs> we, well, I mean, we didn't know what we were too dumb right. to see, you know, right? That we were about to have our world rock. And so I think a couple of the guys that were on the bus that had already been in the military goes, oh shit, not again. Is there was a guy on the line, and I was like, "What does that mean?" He goes, "You're about to find out." <laughs> and Lieutenant Peacock jumps up on the on the Weatherford College bus and says, "Welcome to the Weatherford College Regional Fire Academy. You have ten seconds to de-ass yourself off of my bus and get on the yellow line." And we just start tumbling and rolling. This one small exit on this little bus, and, and uh, gosh, that that was it, man. That was the that was the time where. You know, some people said, oh, shit, I don't want to be here. And I was like, yes, finally. Here it is, man. You know, somebody somebody actually challenged me in a way that I've never been challenged. And from that on, man, I was, that was it, man. I was sold. I was hook, line, and sinker. I'm into this. And no matter what, I'm going to finish this out. I'm going to be a fireman. I don't know how it's going to be. but um, And what that did, man, that, that saved my life, Chris. It really did. I can never, ever give back to the fire academy or rather the fire service, what the fire service has done for me. And I try to do that, you know, every day, uh, you know, with, with things that I do uh, for myself and other firemen. And I think that's just me just trying to, to repay my, uh, uh, my due, my dues back to what it's done for me. So that's kind of, that's kind of my story, man. Man, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, this is your episode, so I'm not going to talk a whole bunch of myself, but I, that person does resonate with me and we could talk way more another day on that one, but to hear, to hear someone go through something very similar and to be still in love with the job as you are today, it gives me a lot of hope and a lot of courage moving forward. And I'm thankful for that. And, uh, I mean, this, that couldn't have been a better opening to my question I have for you. And that is the way of the warrior. I mean, you have all these others that might've been skittish getting off that bus, but you embrace it. You loved the, the hard ass in your face aspect of it. That change, just that you finally feel like there's a, a sense of purpose here and you embrace that. And your, your current chief addresses, if I'm not mistaken, your fire department is warriors. And what I'd love to just talk to, especially with your mindset, we've had a lot of, you know, off-recorded conversations too, but I, mean, I just, I love your, your mindset and your ideology of just this warrior mentality on and off the service. And brother, I just, I want to pick your brain on it, man. So have at it. Hello? Yeah, so good morning. You invited me. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, so when, when you invited me to, to this podcast, and the subject was, uh, you know, the way of the warrior or the warrior mindset, and then my eyebrows kind of raised, and 
my head tilted. I'm thinking, man, I don't know. I don't really consider myself a warrior, but, you know, do warriors really consider themselves as that? I, I'm not sure, but but I, I can tell you this, though. Um, it is something I think that everybody has inside them. And I, was, and I really had to do some 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 deep thinking about this and, and try to, to remain humble about it because, again, I don't really see myself, you know, as walking around town saying I'm Eddie the Warrior. I'm not, you know, but I think everybody's got some in them for sure. And uh, and then, you know, after thinking about it a little bit more, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I fucking am, you know, and, and uh, you know, I've got I've got something in me uh, that called me to to serve. And, and what does that mean like, to, to serve? And um, you know, that's to be putting yourself before others. And there's a lot to be said about that. Um, yes, to your point, there's something inside of us that we're maybe not 100% aware of, but starting to pay attention to. That's right. That's right. There, there's something that I think that just starts kind of pulling at you, you know, and giving you this, uh, this push. You know, that's telling you that um, that there's more in you, you know, that there's that saying there's 40 percent more in you than you really think there is when you think that you can give up. You know, and I think we're all, you know, constantly trying to find that 40 percent. Um, but um, I think I think now they're after, you know, reflecting on it and, and figuring out that, you know what, what we are doing is we are um, we are warriors. And what does that mean? Like I said, it doesn't mean that we're chunking and shooting shoot bullets, but we're putting ourselves before others and we're serving and we're doing it for a uh, purpose that's that's larger and greater than ourselves. Right. Um, and so th- there's there's a there's a saying that the, the Lakota Sioux um, have about warriors that says that warriors, uh, that they don't think of warriors as what normal people do. Warriors are not people that uh, that kill because no one has the right to take another life. Warriors are the protectors. They protect the elderly, the ones who are defenseless. We protect um, our, our spouses. I and mean, above all, we protect the children because they're our good future. And so that's what, um, that's what in my mind, what, what a warrior does. Um, and just because you, you take that mm-hmm. right, uh, you take that vow and that, uh, um, and you, you you do the work to, to become a, a fireman. Uh, that's the first step of it. And then after that, what it is is you start investing in yourself to make uh, to make your vow and your um, your code you know right, make it well, right. make it worth worth money, uh, if you will, and make it worth the sweat that that people expect you to, to be able to do. Um, you know, when you walk around town in your uh, in your uniform or drive around town in your apparatus and you go into the public, whether it's in the grocery stores or in the restaurants or you're doing your your fire inspections or whatnot, people people notice you. They go, man, those are firemen. And no matter what you are, and no matter what agency they are, they think that you guys are the best of the best. That no matter what your problem is, we're going to solve it. You know, and when all else fails that we're going to call the fire department and that crew right there that we're looking at, they're the ones that are going to save us, you know, and that's something that I think some people really kind of lose uh, perspective of, you know, they just, walk they just walk around, you know, and they say, hey, I'm here, you know, trying to get my 24 hours or my 48 hours over, you know, mm-hmm. but 
Uh, and then, and then this is what happens. Then you get shocked. You're standing in line, buying your coffee or uh, sitting at the table or buying your groceries. And next thing you know, you know, that cashier um, tells you that somebody else took care of your tab for you. Yeah. And you look around, it's always anonymous. It's always anonymous, you know, and you, everybody does that, you know, on the crew, everybody looks around who did it, you know, usually it's somebody that already left. Right. You know, and then you get back and, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, um, usually in, in the apparatus on the way home, nobody really says anything about it. And that started bothering me, you know, and now I'm just a tailboard guy. I'm in the back, so I'm not going to sit there and start pontificating, but it bothered me that nobody said anything about it. You know, now we will we'll be, you know, polite at the cashier and say, Oh, we'll tell them. Thank you. You know, right. that's just what we're expected to say. But now what I do is I go, guys, that person just did that because they expected us and they know that we're going to be their lifesaver or that they think that we've already done that, that we've already saved somebody's life and that they're giving us thanks. Yeah. Now, what are we going to do to earn that? You know, so I'll go out and, and, we'll, and we'll do that. And whether it is that we go out there and throw a ladder or start stretching hose, but I'll just make sure that people know that, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we've got a huge responsibility just putting on this uniform. And so yes. what we are, we are the warriors of the community. We're the ones, we're the protectors, you know, and like what Mo Davis says, Chief Mo Davis says, we're, we're the watchers at night. And they lay their baby, you know, down at night. We're the ones that are going to come and save them. And so, um, so that's what I think it is. You know, it's something that you really have to, to live by uh, on, on duty and especially off of duty uh, because that's when people aren't watching. Yep. And does that, does that mean that you're sitting there doing, you know, Richard Goggins rucks every single day and telling people to, <laughs> to, to get, not be poopy pants all the time? No, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't right. mean but it means that you have to be very cognizant of what your responsibilities are and that you have to make sure that you're withholding your oath and, um, and doing the very best that you can to be prepared whenever you are asked uh, to make that, that career save or to uh, do your job. And so that's that to me, that's the way of the warrior. And a lot of that comes over also uh, family life. You know, the yeah, warriors, are supposed to, the warriors supposed to protect their family, you know, and that's, what's hard. And I'll tell you this, you know, um, you could probably go in the annuals of history and probably the greatest warriors, probably the greatest warriors, right, with the most kills or whatever it is, or the most stories or songs written about them. Mm -hmm. uh, their family life was not very good if they had one at all, you know, yep. uh, because there's something that you have to do is you're sometimes forced um, to make a decision on time dedication. You know, and something will sacrifice on that. And that's hard to do, especially, you know, if, if the people that are listening to this podcast are the people that I think are, you know, the go-getters and they are the ones that, that are striving to be the very best they possibly can, um, mm -hmm. investing in themselves. They're investing in their craft and they're working out all the time. And they're training all the time. And they're, everything is all about the fire service and getting better and better. There's something else that's also um, that, that could be, being sacrificed and that's your family time yes. and that's hard because you know i'm sure achilles achilles the great and i'm sure geronimo and i'm sure uh Quanta parker i'm sure yeah. all those warriors um they they probably did not have a great family life so what does that mean what do we have to do we really have to check ourselves because if not then our spouses are going to check ourselves <clears throat> you know and when your spouse checks it when they bring something to your attention 
that means that that uh, that milk is spoiling right now. That means yes. that that milk that milk has been spoiling, and if you don't do something about it soon, um, then then it's going to solve itself one way or the other. And so, oh, um, and take heed and listen. Uh, don't just think that they're just nagging or standing in front of you in your mission. I mean, there, you can get. You can get really deep in your own, you know, mentality sometimes to where you you fail to realize what's around you and your other subliminal messages that are just your wife saying, "Hey, we need help here. We, I need you here. We need to take care of this. This isn't something." So you're absolutely right, Eddie. You're absolutely right on that. Yeah, yeah, and and it's uh, like I said, man, probably the greatest warriors in the annuals of history. You know, they probably had no family life or. Their family life was really, really hard. Um, now, with that being said, also, man, you can absolutely resurrect it, you know, and there can be a balance, but that even takes even more of a warrior mindset is to balance that out. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like, it's, it's just like our soldiers, you know, coming back from, uh, from deployment, you know, for so long, you've got to be able to normalize yourself when you get off shift and to, to try to unwind and try to get out of that, you know, 120 minute, um, BPM heart rate, you know, and relax. Quit putting your your elbows on your knees when you sit down. Relax, and that emergency that your wife has got, it is an emergency, even though it isn't to you because nothing's on fire. Right. And you need to handle it. And so, um, so that's what that's what I strive to do. That's what I struggle to do. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. That I'm perfect, yeah, because uh, I'm the I'm the latter, right? I'm the one that invests so much into himself that my family starts to struggle, and uh, you know I deal with that currently. So um, we've really got to make sure that you know the way the warrior is also you know being a warrior at home and protecting our our own family, and, yes, uh, and that's important. Many many hats to put on the head too, and it's being able to juggle that properly and to really be able to prioritize and that's i'm three years in and like i said ever since the get-go it's been 90 to nothing with me and my life and my wife through our dating stage engagement to marriage kids right out the gate it's just been non-stop and she just asked me the other day is it ever going to slow down i said i hope so hon because it's a fast pace to keep up <laughs> and a lot of yep. it's self-inflicted and a lot of it's open doors that it's hard to say no to. So it's discerning between the two, you know, and that's, I agree. You got to prioritize. You're right. And, you know, there's something also to be said about right now, the fire service and the, uh, the availability of information right now. Um, so this mm -hmm. is going to be my 14th year in. Right. And I feel like ever since I started, really getting more educated on best practices and networking and, and, and really going into the training outside of the department training. Uh, I feel like really I'm only five years in, you know, uh, I feel yeah. like, I feel like the other, you know, the other years were just practice. Um, <laughs> now, did, I get, did I get a lot out of that? I, I sure as heck did, man. I got a lot out of it, especially my experiences, you know, with other departments and other, other uh, professional relationships, what to do, what not to do, how to treat people, how not to treat people. And I think that was, um, that was very valuable. But, um, but right now, what I think it is, is that there's so much information out there that the, um, the folks like yourself that, that are relatively new into the fire service, you have such a, an advantage over, um, 
as far as information and training uh, that, that we had, because it's at your fingertips, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, you have to be prudent and make sure that, you know, the stuff that you're reading and, and, um, and, um, and buying is, uh, is the right stuff, or if it also even pertains to you, if it's, you know, regional. So, right. um, so with that being said, though, you know, you have to remember, though, that this is a, um, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, if you take all the classes in three in one year, you know, um, what else do you have to look forward to? So I always recommend for people is to, you know, have a small obtainable goal. You don't have this big, huge, grandiose goal, have a small attainable goal and start, start chipping away at it and be constant with it, but don't get too greedy and don't get too impatient. Just slowly chip away at it. And eventually, you know, that, your time will come, you know, through the persistence and through the earnings of that. But um, if you try to get it all done at once, um, you're going to end up probably single, right? And you probably become a pretty good fireman. But exactly, you're going to have all these certifications and all these stripes on your shoulder, you know. But also, you're going to have an empty house. <clears throat> so. Um, now at the same time, there's other people you know that they're all family men, and that is an amazing thing. You know, I think some of what we have is a curse. You know, there are guys that are amazing family men, and they're average firefighters. You know, yeah, you know, they're great employees. You know, they get the job done. You ask them to do something on shift, they'll do it. You ask them to do a little bit more, they'll do that occasionally. You know, they'll do their 21 years. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not by any means bad firemen. They're just there. And sometimes, right. I, sometimes I envy that man. You know, sometimes I go, "Gosh, man, <laughs> that guy looks—he seems so happy." You know, like yeah. he seems so happy. He, he can leave the—he can leave the station, and it's just gone, and he don't care about it. You know, and he hangs out with people that aren't in the fire service, and whether it's a fog nozzle or smoothbore, or whether it's a you know a this or that, he don't care because he just—he's gonna—he's gonna—you know—he likes his job. He's gonna continue doing what he does but for me man i'm just all into it you know and i live it eat it drink it and bathe in it and uh, and it's a difficult thing to do to, to balance it so the things that we have myself yourself and a lot of the folks that are probably listening to this is kind of that it's kind of that curse you know what i mean um the things that you are very good at and passionate about it's a double-edged sword it's a curse but also, it's a, it's a blessing as well, and uh, you just have to make sure you you know which wolf you're feeding, you know the good wolf or the bad wolf. Uh, and my wife loves the accountability, and that's probably where it stems most of my motivation for that because she's right there. Well, she'll she'll check me. You said this. You did this. You know, yeah. I, I need to see actions with it. I'm like, you're right, Mama. All right, let's let's get it taken care of. So I love that, and she knows with my journey that it was obviously something that would have never dreamed possible to begin with. And then when God allowed it to happen, it, like I said, it's been self-infliction of opportunity versus the same time open doors. And it is kind of slowing down and I'm pumping brakes. And we talked about not too long ago. She's like, Chris, can you believe that all this has happened in just a little bit of time? I said, no, babe, I I can't. And <laughs> now, kind of with the fool's chapter that we're bringing to our region, you know, kind of switching gears on it, I would have never even thought of that, uh, especially for this area. And you were not too 
far along with it too, with the, the frontier aspect. And I was going to touch gears on that. What, what intrigued you about the fools? You know, what, what made you want to start a chapter and just tell me your journey with it, man. Cause it's awesome. You guys are rocking and rolling. Um, <laughs> I, I guess we are. I don't really think of it that way. Um, my journey into the fools was all by, um, by accident and by, uh, well, uh, no, let me take that back. It was purposeful, but it was because of me trying to get better. And for uh, me really trying to, um, I was in a low point in my career, man. Um, I was, um, like I said, I, I, my journey into the fire service was was always full of challenge. And so, you know, at the age of 27, I, I was in the fire academy and, um, and it took me a long time to get on a professional career department you know, earning a paycheck, um, with benefits. So when I got out of the fire Academy, I, uh, I, I first found out that I needed to have an EMT. I'm like, no one told me that EMT. Like, I don't even know how to spell that. You know, right. <laughs> what's an EMT. So I had to go to EMT school. And of course I didn't know Jack about the human body, you know, let alone had to, you know, learn all that information in six months. So mm. and being out of school for that long, but, um, basically, what happened is that, that I started. Uh, finally, I got my EMT after several attempts, and um, um, I started volunteering, going part time, no time, riding on the ambulances, volunteering more, more part time departments, and so I accumulated about you know five years of, of service time. And um, I always have been as passionate as I always has been have been, but um, I never really had any issues with. Um, with my fire skills at all you know everybody always said hey man he's a go-getter and uh you know he's a good guy and i wish i could hire you but we're just not hiring right now you know and so um finally the golden ticket was to get a paramedic here uh, get your paramedic certification in the dallas fort worth area and, and you'll get hired by a department and so that's what i did i went out and i got my paramedic that took me four times to get that <clears throat> and um Finally, I got onto my first full-time fire uh, fire department, and that was about you know 20 miles south of Dallas, <clears throat> out there. And um, by that time, I was about 30 years old, and I had a fiance, and I'm raising a little girl. Just bought a house, and I'm a grown-ass man. I'm an adult, and I was brought into a, a fire department that had a very interesting culture. It was a fire department that was kind of somewhat isolated um, and they had a way of doing things that just has been that way since, um, um, you know, since probably its inception and it really wasn't the most healthy environment, but basically the long and short of it was, was that, um, you know, I was told that I was not a good fireman, which was news to me. You know, I knew that I knew that I could always get better, but I was always told that Eddie, man, you suck. You're going to kill somebody, you know? And the next thing you know, you kind of felt like there was this target on your back, you know, and it wasn't not for the lack of me trying, but also it was the lack of the, uh, the lack of mentorship there. There was no mentoring. There is either you got it or you didn't get it. And if you didn't get it, then you're out. It wasn't like, Hey man, let me take you aside and let me try to help you a little bit. Um, it was just uh, feed you to the wolves and, and so that, that's kind of the, the environment that I was in. And so um, I had to check myself. I had two things I could do. I could either sit there and say and point the finger at everybody else and call them all jerks, you know, which a lot of them were. I'd sit there and say, hey, Eddie, 
you got to fix yourself. So what I did is I did probably the most humiliating thing I could possibly do. And I went back to the fire Academy, you know, five, five years later, I go back to the Weatherford fire, regional fire Academy and I go to the, the, um, the fire Academy chief there. And I said, chief, can I just come back here and just, just audit the class just sit, sit in and just figure out where it was that I, that I missed, you know, he's like, absolutely. You can do that. So, that's what I did, man. The old man came back into the fire academy uh, during skills days, and, and I just sat back and was in there with all these 18, 19, and 21-year-old kids, you know, relearning how to throw ladders and all that stuff. And next thing you know, I realized that, hey, I know what the, I, I got this stuff. I, I know how to do this. Right. And, um, and maybe the problem really isn't me. Maybe the problem is where I'm at. Maybe it's the environment and the culture of the department that I'm at. So um throughout my my experience there auditing those classes you know those same instructors that taught me a lot of them were still there and they said hey man why don't you why don't you take this group of kids over here and just you know we need some help teaching them how to mask up why don't you mask and teach them how to mask up i'm like that's okay <laughs> you know well, you put this thing on your face and you pull the straps and you know i wasn't talking about anything like masking up with gloves or anything like that i, I hadn't even i didn't even know about that yet but Right. But next thing you know, what they're doing is that I didn't realize it, but they were putting me in situations of leadership. They were giving me responsibilities and showing me that I know what I'm doing because if I can show it, then I know it. Yeah. And so uh, slowly I started becoming uh, an adjunct instructor there, you know, and then that's when I really started getting my uh, little bit of my, my confidence back. And I realized to myself that I wasn't, I wasn't a bad fireman. I was just in a bad situation. And that's something that's very important for people out there to understand that if you're in a, if you're in an environment or in an agency where you're not happy and it's not healthy and you don't see that there's any, and you put in your due diligence to, to write yourself and to make yourself better in that environment, you are worth something. And that in this day and age, you can go out and get a, a a job somewhere else at another department that is more than willing to take you on. And people, yeah. people need to understand that because sometimes you're in that, that, that situation in that agency where you're thinking, Hey man, this is my career. And I, I've got to say, I got a family to raise and this and that and whatever. Next thing you know, you become kind of like that stepchild, you know? Um, and that's not healthy because you are worth something. So yes. as long as you put your, your work in and try to write yourself, and if that still doesn't work it, man, you need to find another another environment, another department that will um, that will celebrate your worth. And so that's what I did, man. I went and put my two weeks in and I went and uh, I downgraded, so to speak, if you will. I went to a, a department that I part timed and volunteered at prior, a little one station department that ran 4,000 calls out of one station and ran the freaking wheels off an ambulance, man. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't care, man. I was, um, I was appreciated. Yeah. And that, uh, and I was, and I was given some work. And so I was at that department for, uh, for a couple more years and I started getting my confidence back and, and mind you, during, during that whole time, um, I'm still trying to get better. And I know I, it sounds like I'm getting off the full scene. But what happened, though, during all this time of me trying to write myself and better myself, I was on the interwebs mm-hmm. on this new thing called Facebook. And there's just something called the fools. I'm like, the who's? I'm like, the fools. <laughs> what the heck is this, man? You know? And I started looking at it, and there was some, um, they're showing that they're 
these things called meetings, you know, like the secret squirrel stuff I thought it was. And, right. and there was a chapter called the Heart of Texas Fools or the Hot Fools up in the northern part of the Metroplex, <clears throat> which was about an hour, 10 minutes from me. And there's just something saying, Eddie, you need to go to one of these, man, see what it's all about. And so finally, I, uh, I told myself, all right, the next time I'm going to see a meeting or a class or something, I'm going to go and do it. And so, you know, I was still like kind of in, a, in that the rut of confidence uh, in, my, uh, in my career. Mm-hmm. So the next class that, that I saw was, uh, was the Flower Mound at the Flower Mound Fire Department, which is a big fancy, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm high flute, yeah it's this high fluting you know community up there in, in the north part of, of texas and uh and so i go over there to one of their fire stations i don't know what it was fire station eight or 12 or whatever but uh, i go in there at night and um and they're having a class on ladders and there's this uh this instructor there with his handlebar mustache and he's wearing a <clears throat> an irish derby hat and his name is Chief Garrett Rice. And he's given this class on um, on ladders, and it freaking blew me away. I mean, here I am. I walk into this. I walk into this fire department in this training room after hours. I'm wearing my Metallica shirt and my my Benberg Fire Department hat on. You know, like oh, <laughs> yeah. God, I'm so far out of my class here. You know, <laughs> like I just need to go back home. <laughs> I need to go back home and pretend I'm a fireman, and and uh, I'm surrounded by all these other guys. You know, and. And so I sit in this class and Chief Rice's ladder class, like I said, it blew my mind, man. I didn't realize how cool ladders were. I didn't realize how little I knew about it and, um, and how wrong I was doing it. And, uh, and, it, and the cool thing about it is the atmosphere was so welcoming. It wasn't like, who are you? And like, what, you know, it wasn't judgmental, you know, and afterward what happened also is he recognized that I was new there, you know? And, uh, you know, everybody's up and they're doing like business meeting stuff and everybody's up mealing around. I, don't, I know in my, I thought I didn't know anybody. And uh, he looks at me over there. I'm looking at him uh, and he looks at me, points at me and motions with his finger to come talk to him. I'm like, he ain't talking to me. He's talking to somebody behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, there wasn't nobody behind me. <laughs> oh, man, this is it. <laughs> yeah, now he's going to talk. Now he's going to talk to me. I go over there. He goes, hey, man, how are you doing? My name's Garrett. I'm like, I'm Eddie. He goes, where are you from? I said, well, you know, I live in Weatherford and I, and I work at Benbrook Fire Department right now. And uh, he goes, oh, that's cool, man. Well, thanks for coming out. And, you know, you just, you know, very welcoming. And then I'll look over and somebody's hands go on my shoulders. I'm like, what the heck is this? I look behind me. <laughs> and there's this guy I go, dude, Eddie, what are you doing? I look at him. Is this guy named Matt Jelinski that I went to fire academy with. I'm like, Matt, he's like, Eddie. And I'm like, he's, what are you doing? He goes, dude, I'm the president of this chapter. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, dude, what have you been doing for the past, you know, whatever, eight years or whatever it had been, you know? And, right. And, I'm like, holy crap, Matt. He's like, I know, right? And I look over to the left here, and there's a guy named Zach that I started at Lake Worth Fire Department. I'm like, Zach? He's like, Eddie? I'm like, dude, these are my friends, you know? Nice. Like, thank God, dude. Like, it was such a safe place for me to be, you know? And everybody was there for the same reasons, you know? They may have different skill sets, but everybody was there because they just wanted to be better, and they wanted to be around with other guys that wanted to be better. And Dude, that I was so thankful and so grateful for that. I mean, the way that that they um, they conducted their business and the way um, that they shared the information and the way that I felt um, like I belonged there was just 
it was self as a breath of fresh air or something I needed. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. And I went to every, every training I possibly could and every meeting I could. Of course it was like an hour and a half away. Right. And I started finding out that there was guys out in my, in my area that were firemen in the Metroplex, but they lived in the Parker County, Tarrant County area. And I thought to myself like, dude, if somebody could just start a chapter out here, so I don't have to make a six hour day out of this you know, every time, that would be so cool. And I kept waiting <laughs> and I kept saying to myself, self, if somebody could just do this, you know, and, and, louder. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and so uh, next thing you know, man, like, um, I got hired by Weatherford Fire Department finally after 10 years, my dream job. And oh, there I am. I'm a rookie again. This is my fourth time. And now I'm an old ass rookie. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a 40 year old rookie. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And so, um, I got to keep my head down low, you know? And so I've got, I've got, uh, I've got these, these big ideas. That I want to start a chapter, but for a full year, I've got to, I've got to just, you know, pay my dues. And, um, and you know, during that time, I met some folks that that were um, in the the Parker County area, you know, and and uh, they helped me get the confidence, you know. Uh, somebody named Tyler Ramsey helped me out with it, you know. Grant Hall, um, uh, Jared Joiner, and these guys just, you know, we all got together. And I was like, hey, dude, let's start a chapter. He's like, yeah, let's do it, you know. And and so finally, we did it, man. We put in our application. We didn't know what we were doing, you know. We just wanted to do fireman stuff. Friends, and that's really kind of how it happened. And we had the mentorship of the Heart of Texas Fools. So, um, and since, since then, we've had some changes in the and the e board and, and stuff like that. But we're still we're still just little little babies. Where I think we're two and a half years old now, and uh, and we're just full of uh, piss and vinegar. And um, <laughs> and that's it, man. And I was told, you know, by. Um, by another peer and, and another fool's chapter is like, dude, you guys are like, if like one of the most, you know, active chapters out there, I didn't realize that. I thought all the chapters were like that, you know? Right. So, well, you, you see it, the, the media presence and it's not a, it's not shoving it in your face either. It's just, it's there. And it's so shared and so liked in the area. Of course, you know, I'm a Texas boy and those listening know that too, but it's, it's the consistency of seeing your chapter out there and it's just sharing the love, sharing any opportunity that comes up, dropping a little bit of tidbit of knowledge of whatever your chapter is going to be discussing on. And it's, it's fun to watch grow and it's an honor to have y'all in our corner with our chapter. So I just, I thank you for that, but no, it's, it's definitely awesome. You're welcome, man. And, and uh, you know, I tell people, I think I, uh, I told you this, you know, when we first started talking about it, that your your fool's chapter is as active as you want it to be. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot like an IAFF chapter, you know. You can get the sticker and you can get the 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 label, but you know what you want to do with that responsibility is completely up to you, you know. Um, right. And so what we choose to do is we choose to be active. And, um, and so we, we try to come up with trainings and meetings as much as we possibly can. And you have to also make sure that you're staying true with your, um, with your mission. And the mission is to, is to provide, you know, free, if not affordable fire training to firefighters, but also to give to charity that charity, uh, you know, is either fire for firefighters or their families. And, um, and so what that does is that to me, it makes you relevant. You know what I mean? That it's it's a yes. nonprofit. You know, it's it's the worst business model in the world, dude. You know, <laughs> if you yeah, no, I mean, I understand. 
Yeah. If you break even, like you're doing good. You know, if you're making a profit, um, that's great. Uh, just make sure that you reinvest it into your, um, into your chapter. And so what I mean by that is buy your chapter, a set of irons, uh, buy your chapter, a couple hooks, buy your chapter, a forcible entry door or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you know, and little by little, you start building up a, um, a small little armory, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's kind of what we're the stage that we're at right now is that we're just, uh, I think we just purchased our first woods door, you know, a right. couple months ago. And we've got, you know, a couple pairs of, a couple pairs of irons and we got some hooks. And we're just kind of slowly starting to do that. Um, and that 501c3 is important for you to get as well. So um, that's what got me into it really was just the uh, the lack of, of my knowledge and my thirst for trying to find a well of knowledge. And I found it and it was such a blessing. And, yes. uh, and, and that, that's, uh, that's how I got into it. And it really was because nobody else was going to do it. So if not me, then who? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, very cool, man. Especially – where I'm at, there, there's another chapter as well, but then it's uh, almost a two and a half, three hour drive in our demographic area to attend one of these. And I'm like, well, man, the chapter that's closest to us too is still like an hour, hour and a half away at some point in time. So, you know, yep. what can we do? And just it lined up and you, you ask and you seek and you shall find. You'll find something. So I love it. And especially like in your area, what we try to do is, we try to jump around, you know, to different little communities, different uh, mm-hmm. towns. You know, we try not to have the um, the meetings in the same places. You know, obviously there are some places that are going to do better than others. Right. You know, but we go around to, to other suburban areas, you know, in our in our district, if you will, and to try to bounce around and get some more um, uh, some more buy in, you know. And then also the most most important thing to do is to surround yourself with some really good guys. Um, you know, the guys on and my cadre and my e-board are just fantastic. They're so amazing. They're such better firemen than me. You know, I just got some crazy ideas. And uh, and they're, they're the ones with all the skills and the knowledge, man. I mean, uh, Matt Sapp, Kevin Lewis, Gus Salcido, uh, Jared Joyner, uh, Thomas Anderson, you know, uh, it just – it, it's awesome. Jeremy Wardlow, these guys are such good guys and so good firemen. Um, and make sure that when they have an idea, man, that you, you, um, you put them in that position of leadership that if they have an idea, Hey dude, run with it. I'll support you as much as I can. Yeah. If they have an idea, man, hear them out and go for it because it's not just about being the quote unquote president. It's about, you know, also giving these guys an opportunity to, um, to fulfill their, their dreams and their wants, you know? So um, that's important to do because it gives them the buy-in as well. Man, listen, you describe that. It literally sounds like where I'm at right now <laughs> because I don't deserve to be in this president's position with my e-board and who's looking at me. I still get jittery. And I'm like, uh, yes, sir, whatever you want done, sir, let's make it happen, yeah. sir. <laughs> and it's like, why am I dubbed this title? But no, we're, we're so cohesive, I would believe, together to want to see this through. Very like-minded, very sound. But man, you said it best, surround yourself with those that are way better than you. And I believe that I have done that with this group because I couldn't yeah. think of a better core to get this rock and rolling than what we have right now. Yeah, so, man. I mean, it, it's true. That, so definitely, just, there's so much to learn from there, leadership-wise. And, uh, and yeah, you're right. You sit there and you go, man, I can't believe these guys trust. And that's the other thing is they trust you, you know? So, uh, yeah. 
So I just thought I was the crazy one to get it rolling, and I was going to step into the background. So, well, that's not happening. No, <laughs> that's not uh, how that works. <laughs> no, you're going to end up about 80%, 70% of it all by yourself, and that's okay because um, you're the one with the passion, you know. Yeah. So I just have to do that. But then also at the same time, like I said, you're going to have to manage your family at the time too as well. Um, you know, for instance, my wife and I, man, we were <laughs> – man, I messed up big time with my wife earlier. And yeah. she was giving me, she was giving me the what too. And I was even told her, hey man, yeah, baby, I've got a, a podcast that I've got to be on. She's like, ooh, podcast, like you're important. I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, and she was giving me hell all the way while I was taking her to work. But guess what, man? As soon as the podcast happened, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, all right, I'll be quiet and I love you. And that was it because she, you know, she respected that enough and she knew that that's what. Um, that's what kind of, you know, gets me that re-energizing uh, to do that. But at the same time, when she gets home, guess what? I got to give a payback. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm familiar with that too. Since two years over and I'm home. I know exactly. In our yeah. different manner too. But. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So. But it's like tomorrow, I have an interview with a specific entity I'm not necessarily able to discuss right now. And my wife is obviously aware of it. And she's like, Chris, that's got to be it, babe. And she said that that there cannot be any more that you try and take on. That has to be it. Look at everything else. I said, Mommy, yeah. you're right. You're absolutely right. And so she yeah. definitely pulled the reins and checked on that. So I got to yeah. mind it. That's true, man. That same entity, um, I was I was in that process as well. And she told no. She told me no on that one. She said, not this year. Yeah. yeah it was a... Sometimes you just gotta, you know, pick your battles. And I wasn't willing to die on that hill. I said, okay, all right, we'll try another time. So, yep, I got that look like you've got to be kidding me, followed by a deep breath of, all right, no more. That's it. There's the last. I said, okay, mom is at her limits. I respect it. And let's not push her anymore because hell hath no fury than a scorned woman. And any married man knows that for sure. But, man, that kind of brings me to a question, Eddie, that a couple more I have as we're kind of wrapping up here. You have any goals you're working on? Whether it be fire service, fools, or just personal related? Yeah, uh, man, I'm always got goals, um, and the hardest thing to do is to follow through with them and, and to uh, and to see them through as well. Um, you know, I've got I got huge goals. Um, mm-hmm. Goals at home, you know, be a better family man. Um, to do that, uh, the hardest thing in the world, if you're a dad or a mother out there, is to raise raise a child. I don't care if how many times you went through buds. I don't care. <laughs> raising yeah. a child, raising a child is the hardest thing in the world, and yeah. a child needs a dad and or mother, uh, whatever position you're in. And um, my goal is to be a better dad and to try to be a better husband. Uh, give them more, some more time, make them feel like they're uh, they're as important if, and more important than uh, than the fire service is to me. Um, I'm also working on a uh, a crazy idea. It's a crazy six day venture up there in Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> that I'm trying to prepare myself for as well. Which um, you know, my family stuff that I've got going on right now is kind of taking the front burner to it. Right. Um, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go in and try that out up there here in February for about six days. And um, I'm at that point of my life where I feel like if I don't try it, um, I'm gonna regret it. So. I'm going to do that. 
for the fools, what we have going on also for this year is more hands-on training. Nice. Um, yeah, but also we have a um, we have a fire forum called Gone to Texas. Um, in this, yeah, I've been seeing that. But it, you know, Gone to Texas was a um, it was kind of a brainchild idea of Gus Salcedo. Uh, he's one of our of our uh, e-board members, and it, it kind of happened also by accident, so to speak. Um, it happened uh, out of um, out of charity, really. And uh, and that's what's also important about the fools is that you have to make sure that your your mission really is ch- charity oriented. And so, what happened was here in the Arlington, Texas area, uh, Arlington Fire Department lost one of their brothers uh, in a tragic accident or a tragic event, and down in in the Cancun, Mexico area. Um, one of their firefighters went down there for an anniversary, and uh, and he died down there. You know, in the tragic event, uh, his wife, uh, is, he came up missing and he was found dead the next day. And so uh, we realized that Arlington, Texas and their fire department was in our district. And there's lots of their firemen that are, go to our events. So we thought to ourselves, how do we, you know, raise some money for this firefighter's uh, family? And so awesome. uh, we, uh, we we uh, raffled off some uh, a tool and, and got a really nice sum of money for for the family. And so what we did is we went down to the Arlington um, uh, fire union hall to present them with a small, to our, to us, it was a small, it was a huge check, but to them, it probably was small, but went over there and kind of told them, you know, that we, uh, we grieved for them and then offered our condolences and just uh, also with those condolences offered them, you know, a small token uh, of, uh, of money to help with whatever loose ends need to be helped out with. And so what happened was, um, their president said to us, to me, he said, you know what, we really like what you do. We're not really familiar with the pools until now, but, um, you know, we could also use some help. And I, and I said, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're in the helping business. What can we do for you? He said, well, we're trying to get, we're trying to get some more buy-in and more um, pride into our fire department and to this area. And we'd like to do like a leadership type, you know, symposium conference. <clears throat> And I said, okay, um, not really in our wheelhouse, but kind of, you know, we're kind of more hands on, but right. I know a guy, <laughs> I know a guy, right? And so I said, where'd you like to do this? You know, I was thinking like maybe at a training field or something like that. He points over at the Arlington Convention Center, <laughs> wow. like 5,000 people. I was like, whoa. Um, and uh, and so we, I thought to myself, I need to talk to somebody else about that. So <laughs> kind of all started brainstorming and and uh, the long and the short of it is that we ended up securing a um, a really cool place uh, in the entertainment sports entertainment district of arlington texas called live at lowe's uh, resort it's right next to the arlington convention center right next to the cowboy stadium right next yes. to six flags right next to the ranger stadium and um we wanted it to be something special that nobody else is doing. And then at a time where the, the word conference is, is as normal as the word air. Um, very much so. If you're paying attention to anything right now, very much so. Yeah. The conference, this conference, that the ABC conference, the XYZ conference. I mean, <laughs> almost like if I hear the word again, I'm going to like roll my eyes. And, and, and it's, it's good and bad because what the good thing about it is that everybody wants to try to make the fire service better, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'll say this, you know, the most respectful that I can, but the bad thing about it is that there's only so much to go around 
and, and you know, I know that people want to bring it to their areas, and that's the awesome part, and that's the part that I think is uh, invaluable. But mm-hmm. what we have also is that we have a shortage of speakers, so to speak, you know, and you start yeah. noticing a lot of these guys are going to the same places, and um, it almost makes you want to think if you could tap the brakes on it, and I bet you that your turnout would be a lot better if we could just kind of minimize the, uh, the circuit, so to speak, you know, um, yeah. now was, does that mean that we should have a full halt on it? No, it doesn't. But I'm just saying that if you look at these conferences, you know, we have the same folks that are speaking everywhere and why, because they're damn good at it. They're really good speakers and people want to hear them, you know, and, uh, and those speakers are all, you know, mentors of mine and I look up to them as well. Um, right, so what are we doing here at Arlington? What's going to be different about it? We want to have something different here in Arlington. So we decided to make it not a conference, but a forum. <clears throat> what does the word forum mean? Forum means that it's interactive. Forum means that it's open, uh, an open forum, an open way of communication two ways. <clears throat> and also what we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that we're letting everybody have a say and it be interactive. So we decided also to invite vendors. And so we were going to have a fire forum and a vendor expo along with that. Um, Now, how do we make it interactive and how do we make this the best forum possible? Um, Well, let's go ahead and get some great MCs. So our our masters of ceremonies, we decided that we're going to get the two best in the business would be Chief Corley Moore and Jeremy Donch from um, National Fire Radio. Of course, Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, weekly scrap with uh, Corley Moore. And we thought to ourselves, like, man, wouldn't that be great to have them, like, in a setting that's similar to ESPN Sports Desk, you know? <laughs> I like that. What if we put them behind a desk, you know, with with a microphone, you know, and they could be sitting there calling the plays, you know, or kind of like doing the the uh, ESPN Sports Center right there during this, during this forum. So they would be interviewing uh, speakers, interviewing vendors, interviewing guests. Um, you know, interviewing anybody that wanted to come and, and, and talk. And so in between our speakers have Corley and uh, Jeremy, you know, bringing people up there and talking, you know, fielding questions, asking questions, um, bringing vendors out there to talk about their, um, their new, um, their new products and such. And so we just thought that would be awesome to get everybody involved in that. So that's kind of, that's the long and the short of it. It's going to be June uh, 10th and 11th in Arlington, Texas at the Live by Lowe's um, uh, Resort. Man, um, incredible. It's going to be awesome, man. It really will be. And we're even thinking about, we're trying to, and I'll just go ahead and say it now, we're really trying to get the, the RIT competition, the uh, the Florida RIT competition out there. Oh, nice. And if anybody knows what that is, it's kind of like the firefighter challenge, but it's all mm-hmm. RIT. And so they have a mate out there and you have teams that compete uh, on the time, uh, time competition uh, for RIT. And the cool thing that's interactive about that is that you don't even necessarily have to put a team together uh, to go compete, to learn about it. Because what happens is that all the firemen sit there and watch these teams go through the the motions. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you're having a conversation with your buddy next to you. It's like, hey, man, look at the way he's masking up or look at the way that he's, you know, um, you know, packaging that down firefighter. You know, out, yeah, everybody's like, holy crap, I never thought about doing that with a rib bag or, oh, my gosh, look at the way that he you know, went through that low profile crawl and stuff like that. 
And so that, that's another option that we're, we're really looking at doing. So uh, who's going to be the speaker so far, what we have, and this is subject to change, but, you know, right. we have that. The keynote is uh, Chief Scott Thompson for day nice. one. You know, uh, day two is going to be uh, Chief Mo Davis. And uh, then also have uh, Captain Mike Galliano and uh, Captain Mike Dugan. So we're just going to have two speakers a day, but those mm -hmm. days are going to be, you know, three-hour classes. And then day two, uh, keynote will be Chief Howard Reinwald. And then uh, also have uh, uh, the first speaker after uh, Chief Reinwald would be Chief Clyde Gordon. And then after that would be uh, uh, Todd Edwards, Captain Todd Edwards. And so um, that, that's kind of what we have right now. Of course, you know, a lot can happen between now and June, so that may right. change. And we're also even thinking about, you know, doing hands-on training because that's something that we're not used to doing is just all, you know, uh, lecture classes. Dude, yeah, I, really like, I really like to have hands-on training. And I think that sometimes that, that speaker is going to say whatever they're going to say, whether they have a microphone or a tool in their hand. Mm -hmm. why, not, why not do it with a tool in your hand, you know? So, yeah. so that's what you going You might be on something there with that, Eddie. That's, that's awesome. Uh, it's cool <laughs> to see a lot – a lot maybe transitioned into that little bit. Even they're walking around the little Halligan, and the next thing you know, a four sword kind of slides out. <laughs> but no, that's, that's right. cool. Baseball swinging that sucker open, whack! <laughs> <laughs> I got y'all's attention now. Okay, next question, please. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. awesome. Anyway, so gone to Texas is the next biggest thing, and and also uh, I know that was a long answer, and I apologize about that. No, this is your episode, brother. And we're, and we're looking at right now uh, something uh, in uh, in February. Also, oh, let me think here. The end of February, I think, uh, with uh, with you guys out there in Smith County, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully we'll, we might be able to get a wildland um, uh, wildland training out there, which is something brand new to fools. You know, I don't think that any fools chapter has ever done wildland training. To my we knowledge. were talking about that after our last meeting, and I think some of our e board was not aware of that. And that really kind of goosebump factored for sure. So yeah. I know our training shareholder is diligently putting things together. I even received a official email. But we can talk about that after the fact. Yeah. No, and so that's going to be awesome. That sounds like it's going to be a couple of days of just wildland, you know, um, freaking greatness as far as task book signing off, um, you know, fire operations, air operations, um, saw work. Uh, just if you've got a task book, and you need stuff to be filled out, uh, this is probably the place where you want to get it done in Texas. So yeah. you guys look forward to that. Then also we're going to have something in Louisville, uh, raising money for a brother out there in Louisville. That's going to be a two-day engine and truck class as well coming up. And all these things, we're all working out the um, uh, the details on it. But, uh, you know, stay stay tuned to the Frontier Fools uh, Facebook page and also the Piney Woods Fools Facebook page. And, and you'll get some information as well. So that's kind of, those are my goals, man. Number one, be a better dad, be a better, a better husband. Um, you know, obviously I'm always striving to be the best fireman I can, but then those right. like the chapter has gone to Texas. Um, the, um, the wildland class with the Piney Woods fools. And then we have a Louisville class coming up as well to answer your question. Very cool. And I think both of those will be uh, awesome annual things to, to home down and make it a point to just keep that going on. Uh, That's it. Very man. Cool. I share those same goals as well. On that, yeah. that note. And, uh, man, so I'm kind of still, I still consider myself a rookie uh, by all means. I, I love hearing others uh, well-rounded, well-statured 
And I forget half the time that I'm, you know, having a podcast here. It's more or less me going to school with others one-on-one and I get to share it with people. And I love that. But, uh, but man, what advice do you have for the young fired up rookie, Eddie, that they could be 21, they could be 34, but they're young in the service. They're rookie, they're fired up. And what, what you got for them, bud? I love that question too. Cause, uh, you know, I think the people that listen to this are, are leaders. You're uh, a leader on the, in the back seat, or if you're in the, the left seat or the right seat up front. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're in, in a, uh, in a chief car, um, but I think that the most important thing that first that you can do is bring in those new guys and let them know that they are, um, uh, that they are welcome and that they are valuable and that we're glad to have them there. Right. Cause what that does is that kind of puts them at ease. Like, okay, cool. Everybody doesn't hate me because I'm new. You know? sure. um, but what I like to tell them this is that, you know, like I, I ask them their story, what got you in here, you know? And then, uh, you know, ask them where they're from, you know, a little bit of their background. But also I tell them this, I let them know how special um, that they are. And the way that I do that is I let them know um, that they're one in a million. How do I do that? I tell them this. I said, listen here, man, uh, you know, there's about 235 million people in the United States, right? And of that 235 million people in the United States, there's about 250,000 career firefighters. Those are the firefighters that are full-time that are getting their benefits. So I want you to do the math on that and tell me what that math is. That's about one in a million, man. You know, whether you're FDNY, whether you're Seattle, whether you're Miami, or whether you're San Diego or Houston, it doesn't matter what corner of the, of the United States you are. You know, you're one in a million in that. Don't ever forget that day um, that you got the call from the chief to tell you that you had this job. Because I'll ask them that, where were you when you got that job? And they'll tell me exactly where they were, man. You know, they were at a bachelor party, oh, yes. you know, they were changing a diaper, <laughs> you know, whatever it was. And I said, and what did you do? And they said, I got off the phone and they screamed like they just got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. I'm like, exactly, dude. Do not forget that, you know. Um, so I make sure that I tell them that, man. I, I make sure that I let them know that how – is to be uh, in the fire service, no matter what agency you're with, and that um, and that it's absolutely um, important that you understand that you are there also um, for the citizens, and that for that 24 hours, um, that you have to be uh, very selfless, and you have to make sure that you're doing everything that you possibly can for that citizen during that 24 hours. The 48 hours are such that you're off, you know. Uh, do that to make yourself better as a family man as and as a fireman. Um, mm-hmm. But make sure that you are um, totally devoted to the job when you are there. Make sure that you know how lucky you are and how special it is to be there. You know, so that you earned it, man. You know, some people say, oh, you ought to be, you know, feel like you're lucky to be here. Well, yeah, obviously I do, dude, or else I wouldn't have right. gone through all the crap I did to get here. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but here's the thing, man, is that we all went through the academies, you know, we all went through the proper medical training. You know, we all went through the same um, entrance exam, went through the same background, the same physical fitness, uh, you know, test. Okay, I earned the spot to be here. Now I've got to earn the the spot to stay here. Yes, that's that latter end. You're so spot on, man. I think that gets taken for granted a lot. That's it, man. Now I'm here. I'm here. Right. I got the job. And now you got to keep on earning it. And, uh, you know, people say, 
you know, why do you always feel like you got something to prove? You got to prove every day, you know, prove every day why, why you're there. You know, you're only as good as your last call. So, and I, man, I make mistakes all the time. I really do. Uh, we were doing vertical vent training the other day on acquired structure and we were using uh, a steel st- st- saw, you know, from another apparatus. And uh, man, I couldn't get that son of a buck started. <laughs> you know, my lieutenant is up there. He's our, he's the hook, man. He's already up there. And I'm still on the ground trying to get this dang thing started. I'm like, God dang it. I can't do it. Um, and I took it up to the, to the roof, you know, without it being started, thinking that maybe I could, you know, get it started up there. I still can't get the son of a son of a gun started. And luckily I went up there with an ax in my belt and I started chopping away, doing it the freaking hard way. Right. I started chopping away. And next thing you know, he starts up the, the saw <clears throat> and we finish the cut and we get off and I get, take my mask off and, and, uh, um, the uh, the in-house instructor, uh, which was another fireman, one of our senior firemen, you know, came over there and go, hey, man, what went wrong? I'm like, dude, I cannot get this thing started. He's like, well, did you do this? And then I'm like, yeah, I did that. And he goes, hey, man, these steels, you have to pull the choke all the way down. You have to put the push the trigger all the way in and pull the choke all the way down to get that that three-stage choke, you know, in full, uh, in full, full, uh, full gear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, crap dude i didn't do that <laughs> i didn't freaking pull the trigger and push the choke all the way down i just pulled the choke halfway down and i was just sitting there pulling like all hell to try to get that thing started you right. know it's a, it goes to show that you know i didn't know that i didn't know the steel um chainsaw as well as i probably should have and i took that for granted um yeah you know, the one on my apparatus is Escavarna, and you don't have to do that you just pull the blue tab all the way out and you're good to go but on but on the steels you have to pull that push the trigger in all the way and then push the um, the choke all the way down and I didn't do that and I forgot it and shame on me and you know the good thing though is that he said hey the bonus point is you're the only guy that went up there with an axe yes you're the only that, guy that, that went axe up there will start <laughs> that's right that axe will start every time and he goes good for you because he said no other joker went up there without an axe man you know and so. Uh, did I save? Did I save some face? Yeah. Was I embarrassed? Was I humbled? Absolutely. Am I the best fireman in the world? Nope. I'm not. But I'll tell you what. I am thinking. I am a thinking fireman, and I was thinking enough to be able to take an axe up there, and I freaking used it. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at, and then I looked at that axe. I said, I don't want to use you again. <laughs> that shit's <laughs> hard, dude. <laughs> that shit's hard, dude. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah, we we've had it. We got a vertical vent problem. We'll get up there every now and then, and you know, I'll joke with my driver. And we just recently got our mauler, so we did a little flathead mauler. And it, I don't care which tool you had; it was still an ass whooper, you know. So <laughs> I would yeah. love that running chainsaw every day of the week on that if I could. Absolutely, take but but always take a tool up there, y'all. Always take a tool up there because you will you will need it one day, you know. And if it, if it's just because you can't get that thing started or it chokes out because of the smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, take that tool up there because that's the only thing that you have left to finish your job, you know? So uh, that was the biggest, and that's what I learned the most about that. Number one, Eddie, you need to know your tools better. Number two, Eddie, good job for sending it up there because, or taking that ax up there. So I learned something, you know, both ways. Oh, awesome. Backup plan and executed. Uh, so right on, man. Thanks for sharing that. Cause that, that's awesome. It's awesome to hear. And, uh, but man, I've been loving this. Uh, any chance I get to talk to you, even one-on-one, I just, I love 
picking up your knowledge and picking your brain and just life lessons in general. And uh, the last question I usually ask my guests that I have on here is what does setting the standard mean to you? you know, obviously me and the other administrators on the rogue tailboard page, we, we tag it. We know it was long before used before we even came around or even thought of, but we, we like to own that and take pride in that, that saying. So I'd like to ask my guests, you know, what does setting the standard mean to you, Eddie? Oh man, I love that question, man. And, and that's something that you really have to, uh, you have to check yourself on, you know, setting the standard for yourself, you know, um, holding yourself accountable, you know, doing the hard things, you know, not, uh, going to the gym when you don't want to go to the gym. Like today I've been postponing it all day long, um, going to the gym. And then as soon as I get done with this, I'm going to the freaking gym, you know, um, right. get better. You know, get better at everything you possibly can. Be a better human. Be a better person. Be a better husband. Be a better father. Be a better mother and a better wife. Um, you know, uh, don't take anything for granted. And do the things that, like I said earlier, do the things that are hard when nobody's watching. Um, don't gloat. Uh, don't be an asshole. Be a ni- be nice, man. Be helpful. Yes. Um, uh, don't ever, ever forget where you came from. And don't ever take your eyes off the prize of where you want to be. Um, if something doesn't go your way, um, don't make that to be a, um, a, a, a some kind of vindictive uh, mission to where you're going to get even. So I always say, you know, don't don't fall on revenge. You know, revenge. The sweetest revenge is success. Um, Ooh, and, I like that. And always just be the very very best part of you that you can be. And it doesn't have to be. Um, you know, a perfect person. Just try to be better than what you are, and you're gonna fall on your ass. You're gonna fall on your ass a lot, you know, and you're gonna be uh, up against a lot of things that go wrong in your life at home and on the job. But uh, just keep on plugging away. Never ever give up. Never ever give up. So that to me is setting the standard. Man, I love it, really. I mean, that's that's awesome just to hear your adversity, the way that you overcame things, even as a a little pup, so to say, a young gun stealing your words. Um, it resonates, man. And I think it resonates with a lot more that are actually listening to. And like I said, when I even started getting a little bit of a platform and brother Shane Bentley was probably one of the first ones to reach out and said, if you don't know Eddie Steele, you need to call him. And you just need to talk. <laughs> I said, you just need to talk to him. I said, all right, yes, sir. Let me, let me do that. And I just remember, you know, nervous. Oh gosh. Uh, Hey, hey, Eddie, uh, you might have a conversation one day. And just you being humble, it's just, it's awesome, man. You know, you never know whose life you're going to change with just being true, being humble, and just sharing your story. That's why we got one. That's it, man. That's it. And you know what? You'll you'll come to find out that a lot of of guys uh, are like that. They're just dudes. You know what I mean? They're just dudes that, that, uh, that have actually have had a lot of adversity and have had a lot of faults. And, uh, that they're passionate about about our craft firefighting you know and and some people always wonder like you know uh what what are they like in their fire department you know um you know do i don't i don't think i tell anybody that i'm doing a podcast they'll find out that i do it you know one way or the other but um you know the most important thing for you to understand and for the folks out there to understand that be the very best fireman you can at your fire department you know you want to be where if somebody calls it weather for fire department and they say, Hey, do you know Eddie Steele? They go, yeah, man, that dude's a weird guy. He snores, but he's a damn good fireman. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter about how much uh, Facebook time or presence you have. It doesn't matter at all of, of any of that shit. What matters is that you're the very best. Um, you're the very, very best fireman that you possibly can be in your agency and your reputation uh, will follow you that way. Um, guys like us that go out there and do stuff, we, we do it because we want to share, um, share our passion. And there's some people out there that really need that, you know, that aren't getting that passion uh, where they are, you know, so that's a breath of fresh air for, for people to, uh, to listen to your podcast and things like that, is that they get to go, all right, there's another guy out there that's just like me, you know, and, and yeah. so um, we're out there, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're that 1%, you know, and we're those warriors out there that are um, trying to get better every day and setting the standard. So um, just to, don't forget to, to, to check yourself and to make sure that you keep your eye on the prize and, and never give up, man. And uh, that's it, dude. That's dude, it. I couldn't, I couldn't think of another way to perfectly just wrap up this outstanding conversation I've had with you, buddy, <laughs> to be honest with you, man. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate your time, Eddie. Thank you so much for just yeah. wanting to talk to your brother, uh, learn a little more, get a little more passionate. You know, I just, I thank you for your time, bud. You're welcome, man. And I, I want to thank you. And I want to thank all those firefighters that are out there just jamming away, dude. You know, yeah. I love all you guys, man. All you guys are so awesome. All you, all you young dudes, uh, all you old guys are finding the, the, the fire again. I mean, you know, let's just make this the best fire, fire service that we possibly can, man. All right. Man. Amen. Thank you again, guys. And thank you so much for tuning in for another episode and stay tuned. We got a lot of cool stuff happening. So buddy, Eddie, thank you so much, bud. All right, Chris. You'll have a good day. See you, man. Bye.